The final frontier begins. This is about saving the future of humanity. This is a huge victory for the good guys. You've never seen Voyager. Commitment to this course of action is not emotional. Scotty, beam us up. Welcome to another episode of Beam Me Up, a Star Trek podcast. I am Brent Allen, your host, and I have seen every episode of Star Trek multiple times. And I'm Matt Sonnenberg, and this is my first time through the series. And this is the show where we are on a mission to introduce as many people as possible, in this case, my friend Matt over there, to the world and universe of Star Trek by watching the most important episodes that deal with the history, the message, and the lore of Star Trek. Brent, I really struggled with this one. I really don't have much for you because I tried to fit this in, and it's like, I, Borg, I, beam me up. No, we we are Borg, we are beam me up, but that made too much sense. So in any case, folks, head over to beamyuppod.com and uh, get in contact with us. We want to hear from you. Today's episode is the 23rd episode of season five of The Next Generation titled I, Borg, or as I like to call it, My Pet Borg. In case you guys don't remember or haven't watched this one first, this is the one where the crew brings a single Borg drone onto the Enterprise, separated from the collective, they give him a name, they befriend him, and they see that he isn't really all that bad, and then they have to decide what the heck to do with him. Matt, before we get into the recap of the episode, I'll give you a chance, some overall thoughts on this episode. As you might have guessed, it's it's a pretty big episode in the world of Star Trek. I, I Borg, so. what do you think? It's a solid episode, yeah, and it goes places and has a lot of... Uh, a lot of interesting thoughts or concepts or ideas are brought up. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they, they aren't able to act on all of them, but it's interesting to see where different people stand on different matters mm-hmm. as they come up. Um, and it's I'm glad you said it was a important or a big episode because there's a lot of things that are, I guess, kind of introduced in this episode, and that's probably why we're watching it, Yeah, um, that I think they could really build off of, and I'm kind of hoping they do. So you saying that it's a big episode gives me hope for the future. Yeah, this this certainly is a, it is, it's what we'll call a paramount episode. Like this is an episode that from day one, when I set out to make my list of, okay, what are the key episodes that somebody has to watch to understand what Star Trek is and what Star Trek is all about and what is the the vision of the future that they're painting? Mm-hmm. There was never a situation where Iborg was not going to be one of the episodes that we watched, you know, like from day one. That. This was an easy one to put in there. And this is one of those where I talked about season five. Season five is just so full of really good episodes. So here we are uh, with uh, with Iborg. <laughs> I- I'll tell you, though, I watched this one with new eyes this time, Matt. You know how we talk as, about. As you tend to do. I do. Yeah. But like this one specifically hit me because, you know, we always like kind of the mantra we have here at Beam Me Up is, is the world needs to sit down and watch Star Trek together. Yeah. Right. Like like the, the message of Star Trek is timeless. And this episode specifically is one of those that quite honestly, this is my own personal private thing. I want to not like this episode every time I watch it. Like I want it to be, I, I just, I, I, I think it's because so many people like it and it's, it's just kind of kitschy and it has all these, I, I want it to be that. But when I sit down and watch it, mm-hmm. it's never that. 
It's okay. always a good episode. And I don't so, I don't so, know so where you, my huh? You're you're it sounds like you might be a little bit have a little bit of contrarian in like in you like I do, yeah. where yeah, you hear, oh, everybody loves it. You know, it can't be that great. Let's, yeah. Let's see. It, it oh, might be. I don't know. Maybe that might that good. might be it. Pretty but good. I just I want to not like it, but I do. And this episode I am so impressed with because two things. One, this and I've never thought about this episode being the episode where this happens, but it is true because let me tell you how many Borg episodes you have missed in our entire run. Zero. You've seen them all. And this I, is, I, yeah, this is only the third one. This, it feels like the, the Borg are such a big menacing enemy mm-hmm. that, yeah, it makes sense that we've caught all of the episodes so far. Uh-huh. And I kind of felt this one, they were really trying to bring forward like, Hey, we actually have an idea of where we want to go with the Borg now. Mm-hmm. And we're going to introduce you to some of these concepts now right so good luck right so well i, I mean so we'll, we'll talk about that because this really is that episode where everything changes about our understanding of the board mm-hmm. and who they are we no longer see them as this big collective single consciousness but they're actually are within the collective individuals despite what they say you remember back with the, the vulcans the, are you talking about the, the live right. vulcans tell themselves that they're not emotional yeah, but the, but the, it, it, this is the episode like you said uh-huh. it, the writers finally decide hey they aren't purely one big collective yeah. we are going to allow for some other things and like I said this uh-huh. is we are going to introduce you to this this is canon now and 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 that was by necessity because if you remember when they introduced the Borg back in Q who in season mm-hmm. two it took them an entire season and a half to get to best of both worlds and their problem then was what do we do with the Borg there is they are not an enemy like they they are this huge unstoppable force sure how do we get back to them and then they came up with the idea of locutus and let's bring in locutus and and bring it into a single entity where there's a person and then they of course got rid of that by the end of the two-parter and they were back in that same conundrum of okay what do we do with the borg we can't keep stopping the borg because then they're not so unstoppable they're not so menacing Mm -hmm. right but how do how do you have this this enemy that doesn't actually have a face sure. and is, is just this big imposing thing. So, um, but so they really went in and retooled. I don't want to say retooled. They, they expanded upon who the Borg are and completely changed it. And here's the timelessness. This is what really, really stood out to me is this is an, this is a situation where the Borg, the, the individual Borg goes from it to him. And we see that journey in Jordy. We see mm-hmm. that journey in Picard. We see that journey in Guinan. We don't yeah. really, I think, ever see it in Riker. We don't really, it, Crusher, it was always him to begin with. Yeah. Um, but we see that journey. And I think it just, it says so much about an enemy that as long as you keep thinking about an enemy as this mindless automaton, they're easy to yeah. hate and they're easy to destroy. But if you actually meet that enemy and get to know them as a human being and as a person, it becomes a much different conversation. And that is a message, Matt, that I think is worth discussing in the world today, no matter whether you're listening to it in the context that we are recording this or whether you're listening to this in 10, 15 years, whatever's going on in your context, then this is a message worth and a lesson worth learning right now. And I, I don't, I don't want to take anything away from what, what you just said, but like, isn't this kind of the, the, is it like the hostage negotiation type of thing where they always try to, you know, mention the people's names and, and 
and make them realize, you know, you are, this is a person that yeah. we're dealing with. It's not just a random drone. Yeah. I, so I mean, I think it, in the hostage negotiation, you have to, you have to think that you're dealing with a person mm-hmm. and not just a thing, not just a person who's on the other side of the line, but you're dealing with a living, breathing human being. And when you, when you take people and you give them a, a non-human identity, they're easy to hate and they're easy to want to just destroy and they're easy to lump into one big category of saying they're all bad and they're all this and that's not necessarily the case sometimes and let's just on geopolitical terms sometimes they just happen to be born over there Mm -hmm. and that's i mean and we learned this back in balance of terror all the way back in tos and we're seeing it again here we've we've seen this a couple of times throughout star trek we might see it again a few more times but (laughs) that really i've never thought about it in those terms and i really this is an episode that people need to sit down and watch today all right there's a couple opening salvos matt do you have anything else because if not i want to go ahead and jump into our character spotlight i'm ready we can go with it all right let's do it uh the character actor spotlight uh matt i it probably comes as no surprise i only have one that i want to highlight today and i want to highlight the character of hugh uh hugh is played by an actor by the name of jonathan delarco have you ever heard this name before jonathan delarco no sir you probably will not have so um jonathan delarco i I was honestly kind of surprised you brought him up i mean like this i'm assuming a younger kid type actor and I, I mean, yeah, he's probably late teens or something, maybe early yeah. 20s. I don't Who knows? But like under he- heavy makeup and it's not a voice that I recognize or anything. Well, his voice is kind of covered with sure. the electronics, sure. but sure. yeah. John Little Arco, he's, he's never a guy, and I don't mean any disrespect to him when I say this. He's mm-hmm. never a guy that's hit a, a list Hollywood status and is it a instantly lot. recognizable. He's just not. But he is instantly recognizable to Star Trek fans because Jonathan Delarco has, he has, he has been, he's gained very, how do I say this? He's gained a huge, like almost cult following, like within sure. the convention circuit. He's at the convention. He's the guy who played Hugh. He's <laughs> Hugh. Like he goes to the conventions. He tells his stories. He signs autographs. That's Hugh. And he is very much known within Star Trek circles. So where I may not highlight a bunch of these other people, Jonathan Delarco is one who gets highlighted as Hugh. That is just, a, I don't, I'm not expecting you to remember his name now, but when you hear it later, you'll draw back to this. But Jonathan Delarco, um, I will tell you just a couple of things. He was a very big fan, apparently, of the original series. Okay. I guess growing up, you know, he probably would have been early 20s, I guess, when when this thing whole whole thing started going. Maybe not even that. Maybe his late teens. Uh, he had originally auditioned for the role of Wesley Crusher, which also tells me about his age. So maybe he was in his teens. Yep. Uh, anyway, he was so crushed that he didn't get the role <laughs> pun intended uh and he was he really was he was so crushed that he refused to watch a single episode of the next generation so coming into this episode when he had to beat out 30 other actors for the role the only thing he had to go on and the only thing he had to draw from was the script for this episode yeah he didn't know necessarily what he was walking into so anyway Jonathan Delargo Matt when we go to that first convention good chance he's going to be there and okay. uh, maybe you'll get to go talk to him um, um, apparently he's a really cool guy, like super sure. chill to talk to. So anyway, with that said, Matt, why don't we go ahead and go through the episode scene by scene. You stop us where you need to stop us and tell us what stood out to you, what questions you had along the way. What are the things that were highlighted to you as you were watching this episode? Let's do it. All right. This is I Borg prologue. The enterprise is wait for it out in space just poking around a new area when they pick up a signal coming from one of the moons. Data can't tell who or what is down there, but the moon can support life. Riker suspects it's a distress call and B 
beams down with Dr. Crusher and Worf to check it out. And when they get there, there's only one life form. Very weak life signs. They head over to help, and holy schlemiel, it's a Borg! Yep. I bet I really you didn't know there's going to be Borg in this episode. <laughs> but that was a surprise. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, these things would have a little more impact the first run, right? Mm-hmm. Because they have the cold open and right. they don't give you the title of the episode until the cre- the end of the credits. Mm-hmm. And back in the day, I mean, when, okay, maybe we had like TV guide right. or something and maybe that would give you the episode title. I don't know if they even did though. Well, they would, or, they, they just they told oftentimes, you Star Trek The Next Generation is on. Well, they would often episode. have trailers for the episodes. But would they tell you the name of, well, they might've shown you a board. They may or may not but i mean they it pro I, I don't know i didn't go look but i'm sure in the the you know next week star trek the next generation yeah um there there's gonna be that and it's it'll be a little clip and you'll see something about a borg or, or whatever but you're right as as just a cold watch as somebody who doesn't even read the title because yeah. really really in today's world we read the titles because we go through the on-demand well streaming i mean because yeah right? exactly streaming platforms are the biggest thing right but i it'd be one thing if you i mean you told me okay go watch a uh, season five episode uh, 23 but even then i would have to try to avoid the title yeah because right next to episode 23 it says i borg and i'm like right well there you go and and i mean it's i often wonder about that with you because even sometimes like the thumbnail that they put up will spoil a surprise i i I don't really look at those honestly and i'm glad you don't and i'm glad you don't read the brief the the little blurb because Mm -hmm. sometimes that spoils stuff so i'm glad for you to get the surprise this one was just in the title you couldn't avoid it so yeah anyway so yeah i mean the 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 borg wasn't really a big surprise Uh um like the 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 only big comment i had and it's really nitpicky i i think i had two of these in this episode Uh but one right off the bat was where it it, it, it just for how good these star trek writers are it bothers me when when they do little things like this so uh the card tells uh, he calls down to dr crusher Mm -hmm. and says meet me at the the in the transporter room with an away team with a medical away team right and then next we see them down on the planet or, or no that was Riker wasn't it yeah and the next scene we see them and it's Riker and Worf who came from the bridge and Dr. Crusher where is your medical away team right. that he told you to right. assemble right. and meet like okay they didn't want to pay extra actors but then just change the line Dr. Crusher meet me in the transporter room right. we're going down like yeah it just seems really awkward when they're they're so careful about all their other writing and then you get a little thing like that and it's like I mean, okay. even if he just said, meet me in, meet me in transporter three with a, with a medical away kit yeah, or something like that. No, I know I, I, I 100% understand exactly what talks of, but as you said, that is a, that is a small nit to pick. Yep. Um, yep. But like I said, the, the big surprise in this open was, Hey, well, it's supposed to be, Hey, look, the Borg. It's like, well, I knew that knew they're coming sooner or later. I mean, they're probably going to be throughout the episode because it's right. called I Borg. So let's do this. There you go. All right. Well, why don't we do this? Act one, Riker calls back to the enterprise to let them know that they've what they have found as soon as picard hears the word borg he wants to get the heck out of there everyone back to the ship but beverly protests they just can't leave him here he's gonna die yeah beverly that's kind of the point besides that signal was probably a homing beacon the borg have to be on their way right now they're gonna come collect their dead but beverly doesn't understand she is a doctor after all and this guy needs her help she's trying to explain this as she's in the middle of healing some of his wounds and while she's doing this picard says 
any intervention on their part would alert the Borg to their presence. Whoops. Well, too late for that. Worf just wants them to go ahead and kill it and be done with it. Picard would like to agree with Worf, but he has a duty. He orders a detention cell to be prepared and for a dampening field to be erected to suppress that homing beacon. Whatever Beverly needs can be brought there. And with that, Picard con contemplatively walks off the bridge with a knowing look between Data and... So this is where I start to have a lot to unpack. Okay. So it's... There's a, there's a lot that just happened in that scene. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the first big thing is all the differing opinions, right? Because not only are they going to have different opinions, but they need to like snap judgment because, oh, the Borg are going to be on our tail. Mm -hmm. Like there's no way that they're not just going to leave, that they're just going to leave these guys here. They're going to be coming for them. They're going to come quick. Right. And we know how fast they can travel. So it's, it's a situation we, that we've seen many times before, except it's typically we have everybody on the bridge or we have everybody in the conference room and cards like, okay, give me your opinions. And instead of doing that, I mean, we're doing it over comms because we're in different locations and everybody right. just kind of jumps in with their opinion. It's like, no, this is what I think we should do. No, this right. is what I think we should. And yeah, like Worf, his opinion, I'm not surprised. Right. Dr. Crusher, I'm not surprised. Picard was actually the big wild card in this situation for me. Right. And why? Why Why was he the wild card for you in that? Because you don't know how he's going to react because he, he's, he's the one that's had the most interaction with him, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, in the most interaction, that's putting it mildly. <laughs> I, I, but it's didn't know if he was going to be sympathetic towards or oh. if if he was gonna if the anger was going to bubble up or what was going to happen and and he, he kind of straddled the line between crusher and war right he, he didn't outright say hey let's kill them but he's not like we're no we're gonna save them and so yeah he just kind of wanted to leave it alone well we've already interfered so well well now crap. we gotta go this way right like yeah I, I, like obviously dr crusher is gonna do her thing like that's just her instinct mm -hmm. but as soon as she you know pulled that because i don't necessarily know if it has named that laser out and started healing him uh -huh. and it's like mm, oh yeah oh you want to know the name of that thing does it does it have a name yeah it does it's a dermal so meaning skin yep a dermal regenerator oh yeah we'd love to have one everyone yeah. would love to have a dermal it, regenerator I, I i would love to have one yes absolutely yeah um can, can i tell you what i pull out of this particular episode or this particular sure. scene and mm -hmm. and specifically the deanna wharf picard uh deal there dynamic uh, yeah i, I this is a uh, everybody get your drinks ready because I'm about to reference Harry Potter. Um, <laughs> but it, this is what I always reference about the trio in Harry Potter, the Ron Harry Hermione deal, which to mm -hmm. me is very much a reference to the original series, Kirk, Spock, McCoy triumvirate, where it, it, it's it's a it's a uh, writing style where you have the the main character, the the decision maker who represents a like I think the three together make up the the inner workings of a single person's mind yeah where you have like kind of the the ego id and super ego you have the one person who has to make the decision you've got the one angel on this shoulder and the one angel on that shoulder talking it's just they have to embody character to be able to express those thoughts without always without, doing internal dialogue in a, in a writing. yeah without card sounding completely crazy exactly and talking to himself in or front of other literally people. giving him an angel and a devil on each shoulder or whatever yeah yeah like yeah. this is sci-fi but not fantasy right but i think this is this is one of the can i say few times in star trek next generation this is one of the few times that we have seen this in next generation where mm -hmm. i think they return to that i'll call i'll call it the triumvirate man like that that three piece 
everybody <laughs> has their personal opinion. Worf is the military. He's the security. <laughs> Just kill it and be done. No, 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 no. We have to give it help and render it help. We have a duty. And then you have the guy up there who we visually see wants to kill it, wants to be done, wants to run away, but knows that he has a duty and has to make a decision on what to do. Yeah. You know, and I, that's again, that's a it's a Harry, Harry Ron Hermione type situation. It's a Spock Bones McCoy situation. Nope. Spock yeah. Bones Kirk situation. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, and, yeah, and that's, that's the way I see this. And honestly, I think it carries through most of the episode, you know, and you, and I think, I think you wind up the different crew, like they are all different competing voices that honestly, this could be an internal dialogue. Yeah. This is an internal dialogue of how do you deal with an enemy? So instead of Kirk, just Kirk, wow. <laughs> talking about the old crew too much. Yeah. Instead of Picard, just, uh, continually making log entries. Right. It's like, Hey, we're going to actually include, include the rest of the crew in this conversation. Yeah. Let them earn their paycheck for an episode, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but to to do with that, I mean, as you said, you you kind of suspected Worf would have the response that he would have. He's the security guy. Riker's hey. going to back up. He's he's going to have his captain's back. Mm-hmm. Like he he will give voice to what the captain is thinking, right? Mm-hmm. Like the yeah, we know that Beverly. Let's get out of here. Do you know what this is? But you have Beverly who t- t- okay, take away the the inner person dialogue and just look at her as a character. She's a doc, and yep. in front of her is a patient someone who needs her help and she has an oath taking that oath yep and she holds it seriously and that oath has been around for over we know to be around at least another 400 years and it's been around for a couple thousand now here on earth i guess um i don't i don't know when when hippocrates i think was his name or whatever hippocrates hippocrates that was it i don't know when he actually lived but it was a long time ago so two thousand years ago right um so yeah, there's, they're still taking that oath and she's still, she's very serious about that. Like, yeah, it's an enemy, but he still needs my help. Sorry. I had to look up Hippocrates is yeah. Was around 400 BC. So long time ago, 2,600 years ago, 24, well, 2,400. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, they, they, and maybe this is just part of them clarifying and slightly rewriting what the Borg can do mm-hmm. to, to, to actually allow them to stay in this series. But my first, thought when when Picard's like okay bring them on board we'll put them in this cell we'll block their signals and I'm sitting here thinking like every time okay all two times uh, <laughs> that that we've met the Borg so far yeah their technology has been so superior there's been yeah. nothing you can do to stop them they will always come they will always win they will do their thing mm-hmm. and so I'm sitting here thinking like what can you do to block their signal like yeah. they're gonna find their man what can you do to keep this one single singular guy trapped in his cell especially a what seems to be a makeshift cell a force like, field for, cell which we've yeah, seen well, them walk through force fields haven't we we're gonna set up this because because yeah. he told like jordy it's like you know you need to create this detention cell mm-hmm. like okay so it's like it's not something that they normally would have on the ship so mm-hmm. yeah you make this and like and, and i'm just supposed to believe that the borg can't penetrate this somehow sure yes okay. Matt, you are supposed to just believe that that they now here here's the difference though okay i'll, I'll give an in-universe answer that i th- i think is at least plausible and and might help us move forward a little. picard was locutus he hasn't forgotten everything yet and he has had at least a few conversations about hey if you do this it'll knock that out or if we do this it'll knock that out or the homing beacon just runs on normal regular subspace it's not it's not whatever this other thing is because it's just a yeah. homing beacon for for injured injured drones they you know they wouldn't think 
anybody be captured or they wouldn't honestly they wouldn't care you know we, we see the way they treat their dead they they just don't care and later later he even says they're just reabsorbed and others take their place it's it's nothing when a borg drone dies yeah and i mean i guess you make a point about you know locutus and stuff because like they jordy mentions later on too that like we downloaded your memory and we have some of that information when you were locutus mm-hmm. so okay maybe jordy's reading up on the borg and figuring things out and mm-hmm. figuring out like because i mean he's he, he's seems quite adept as we move forward here and knowing how to feed and troll and uh, build mm-hmm. hardcore and all this stuff so well that's just jordy the engineer he can whatever you need we can make it just give me 24 hours and i'll make it happen uh, or 17 uh, hours or whatever <laughs> um but yeah what one last thing i want to talk about out of this scene before we move on and it, it's a very small thing but it's a very telling thing but I, that look that data gives deanna right at the end as as picard walks off yeah of it, it might be one of the most human things i've ever seen from date yeah you know what i mean but like like th- th- that was one of the stranger things is how uh-huh. quiet was while this was going on and then instead of even just saying something mm-hmm. like making some almost witty comment like you know or even just a aren't you gonna go after him uh-huh. type of thing or should you go or should i or you know mm-hmm. i something yeah that that look gives a look yeah and yeah it's it's very apparent and, and it was if a you human did, look and it was well, it well, was that shared like yeah, wow did you believe say, that if this was your first episode of star trek uh-huh you would have said wow that guy has pale skin but you wouldn't ever think like hey that guy's uh uh an android android yeah like there's nothing here that says he's an android right so yeah yeah it's definitely something yeah and and the only thing i can give to that is you know data's whole purpose is become more human Mm -hmm. right so maybe it's taking effect i don't know we spent enough time on this scene let's move on matt deanna goes to see picard while he's hiding I, i i mean working picard is working over in his ready room picard insists that he's fine he's quite recovered from his experience but deanna presses on and picard stops her he's considered all of the risks he's considered all of the implications and he's comfortable with his decision in fact he has a plan we don't find out about that until later if he needs anything he'll be sure to call thanks deanna yeah picard's not fine no yeah like he says he is but his actions his attitude just do not line up like i don't think i have ever seen picard this shaken by anything is he shaken or is he angry I, or is it both disturbed disturbed maybe yeah a better word like agitated like yeah i i mean it's, it's it, something got under his skin and he probably should talk about it but really doesn't want to right like i i can't think of a, a an example but like i've been there mm-hmm. like just kind of sitting there stewing it's like man this did not go how i expected mm-hmm. i need time to think about this but people are expecting me to do something people are expecting me to react but i don't want to do anything right now but he all, and, and not just people like starfleet does. like he he has his own duty that he himself upholds and he upholds everybody else to it and he's gotta he's gotta go by it but let's actually get on to this next piece because i want to talk about where picard takes us in this very next scene as we finish sure. out act one picard head downs to the heads down to the detention cell to check on things beverly has been able to doctor most of what's wrong but jordy's gonna have to help out with building some new biochips for the board jordy says it should be fairly simple but picard wonders could they possibly alter the pathways to the root command structure if they could do that they could implant a virus a trojan horse if you will 
and will infect the entire hive. And if all goes well and you get the feeling Picard's been thinking about this for a long time. Yeah, it's this is where he kind of leans a lot more towards where Worf was going, right? Yeah. Like like I said before, he was kind of on the fence mm-hmm. in the middle between them and, and he kind of just jumped over to Worf's side. And it's like, yeah, I, I, I actually even more so because it's it, Worf was just like, let's kill this one. Yeah, and be done with it. And, and Picard's, Picard's like, like, no, hey, I'm going to take them all out. Let's get rid of them all. Yeah, take them all. Take them all. Got them all. Cowboy. Ah, let's go. Get them all. Yeah. Like he just, he, I mean, he gets that look in his eye too before he they does. fade to black. It's like, mm-hmm. but you, you, you sit there and you go, he's, I mean, this has to have been something he's thought about for the last year and a half. Cause it's been almost, man, it's been almost two full seasons since we've last seen the board. Not quite, but almost, you know, this is the very end of season five. And that was the very beginning of season four with best of both worlds part two. So almost two full seasons. And, and you've got to think that for as recovered as Picard said, says he is, he's had this thought of if we could somehow get to that root structure, we could send something back. Like he, he knows something about this. He may not know what it is or how to do it, but he's got an idea. And when he says, okay, let's bring this Borg back on. Was that a, I've got a duty to, to help this? Or is it a, actually, this might be our, op- or is this just that- com- com- developing as it goes forward? <laughs> I, I, that that's where I'm going with. I think it kind of developed that as it went along because his initial reaction was leave it, don't touch anything. We're getting out of it. So I don't I, I don't necessarily feel that was his his initial plan. Mm-hmm. But once he's like, okay, next best, here's the next step, next step, next step. Mm-hmm. This might be enough. Yeah. Like he he definitely has that. So um, yeah, I don't think it's anything that he was planning from the instant they found him, or necessarily even planning plotting all along. Mm-hmm. But like you said, maybe in the back of his mind, he wanted to do something. But especially concerning the Borg, there's mm-hmm. not really a lot you can plan to do. Like, it, it, even if you he came up with a plan, like, how would he go about finding the Borg? That's just not going to happen. Well, I mean, I think that's where they throw him back down on the planet and let his homing be bring back. If he wanted all of them. Yeah. Well, uh, Card, what have you become? Hey, let's keep going. Act two. So much to unpack in this episode. So much. All right. Act two. In the conference room, it's time to debate the morals of what they're about to do. Jordy has figured it out. It should only take a few months to achieve total systems failure. To which Beverly wants to make sure that everybody is absolutely clear. This means eliminating an entire race. We're going to commit genocide. Card understands which under normal circumstances would be intolerable, but this is the Borg. Riker and Deanna are cool with it. They're at war. And even if there's no formal declaration of war, they're still at war. In the end, Beverly doesn't look at her patient and see a single collective being or consciousness she sees an individual card boils it down to brass tacks the borg are bent on their destruction there's no hope of negotiation no hope of diplomacy and until that changes they're justified in using any means necessary to survive i was totally against this plan until they brought up hey we're at war Mm -hmm. because i mean to some extent that does change the situation Mm -hmm. and picard mentions a few times like you would love to sit down and come up with some some form of you know peace treaty Mm -hmm. but it's the Borg. Borg. They don't do that. Every time we get close to them, it's like, nope, you're going to die. Or no, well, not really die. We're going to assimilate <laughs> you. you. Yeah. Assimilate. Yes. Yeah. They, 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 they have, the Borg have a lot of catchphrases <laughs> and all of them get used in this episode multiple times, especially at the end of this act. Uh-huh. When, when they're Wait, all right, let's go, it. let's go through them real yeah. quick. I, I don't think there's actually that many. So let's go through them. What are the catchphrases? At least like half a dozen. Come on. Uh, I think there might be half of a half a dozen. Go ahead. Uh, you will be assimilated mm-hmm. resistance is futile uh-huh. uh 
uh, you're really going to make me do this. <laughs> I'm putting you to the test, Matt. That's it. You made a declaration. Back it up now, son. I'll give you the other one. We are the board. We are board. Yeah, we are board. Or we are the board. You will be assimilated. Yeah, I, Resistance I mean, is futile. Okay. Th- those are the major ones. Yeah. Y- you could argue, though, I think, uh-huh. uh, like that is irrelevant. Oh, yeah. Whatever is irrelevant. Uh, right. Yeah. It, there, there, there's another one. Because between the end of this act where where we uh, the Borg first becomes conscious again, uh-huh. And then when Picard talks with him at the end of the episode, uh-huh. Picard basically mimics back to him every phrase we've ever heard the Borg speak uh-huh. because he, he uh, knows how to talk to him, right? We'll, we'll, we'll get to that. I want to talk about that, but we'll get to that. Okay. But yeah, that, it feels like a lot of phrases. I think it's just sure. more than one phrase packed into a small space. Sure. Sure. They, they definitely, they definitely have that. And they, they do, they have their, their repetitive stuff. And I think that's one of the things we watch about Hugh is he goes from, he only parrots the phrases that he always talks about to beginning to have his own conversations. And even when he gets into that, that thing with Picard at the end, when they're in the, when they're in the office or the ready room, you know, you see him like, like he's, he's an individual he sort of devolves back into the collective and then he reasserts his individuality and and that's it's a beautiful scene it's a great scene we're not there yet let's get there wait i want to stop i'm sorry here's my question at okay there's no hope of negotiation there's no hope of diplomacy and until that changes card says they are justified in using any means necessary to survive are they though is your survival as a species at the cost of other species justified means of survival. I know, I know internally as an individual, like that, that survival instinct kicks in, but on a moral level, is that true? I don't know if this actually justifies anything, uh-huh. but I think where Picard is coming from uh-huh. is he's not just protecting his own species. He's trying to protect every other species out there Sure, because that's what the Borg have said. That's what the Borg do. They just assimilate everybody. So mm-hmm. they are going to destroy everybody. Right. Not just humans, not just the Vulcans, not just, you know, the, mm-hmm. if, if, so I think he's coming at it. Like if we have the opportunity to stop the Borg, this one species, all the other species can live. Mm-hmm. Whereas if we just let the Borg take over, everybody else dies. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I, I suppose it also depends on how, how far you want to take this argument, right? As we record this, we are in the midst of a global pandemic. There is a living little critter out there that is infecting the entire world. And if we could not kill everybody, Every single one of those little critters for the sake of the survival of everyone else. Would we not do that? Mm-hmm. Or we would. Absolutely. Forget for, for the sake of everyone else. Just to return the world. Like most, <laughs> most, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not in any way, shape or form trying to decry or, or diminish the effect that this virus has had across our world, across our globe and on individual. I'm not, I'm not demeaning that at all, but we would, we would do worse to that virus, even just to not have to wear masks outside you know like we we just you know on top of the death toll that, that this thing has taken we would eliminate it within one fell stroke but the borg aren't a virus or are they mm. maybe they are there's no hope of negotiating there's no hope of diplomacy no, no, so do whatever you have to do to survive a virus do what now they want to infect the borg with a virus <laughs> right so i don't the borg are a virus right but yeah but this again this goes back to what i was saying at the very beginning and it, it goes to what beverly was saying i don't see a collective consciousness i don't see all of these bad i don't see this one single bad entity i see an individual who's in and that individual is in need of help that individual is is a life that is worthy of being able to live and have thoughts and emotions and feelings and all those other things live how they choose to live and that is a very star trek message and let's see what happens as we continue to go through this episode back in the detention cell the borg is awake
awake and he's searching desperately for an access panel. The dampening field is working, which means that for the first time in its life, this particular Borg drone is alone and it's being forced to cope without the collective. Crusher thinks he's hungry and much to his chagrin, Picard orders Jordy to find, to figure out a way to feed it. Picard out. And just as he leaves, Borg gives up its search for an access panel. Beverly says exactly what we see on his face. If I didn't know better, I'd say he's scared. Yeah. And it's weird to think about. If you really want to put yourself in the shoes of the Borg, mm -hmm. which I think is tough to do, but right. I mean, you, in this scene kind of can, mm -hmm. it's. Uh, yes. That's the point of this episode is <laughs> get it, get it, put yourself a little bit in the position of the Borg, understand who they are. This kid mm -hmm. probably from birth mm -hmm. has been connected to the collective, at least as long as he can remember. I don't know if they're as infants, if they're connected or not, but right. that, I mean, as long as he can remember, he's been connected to the collective. So he gets knocked out. And when he comes to again, he is in a different place in a different, uh, and like me, I think he mentions this later, but the voices aren't there in his head anymore. Yeah. So when he wakes up again, it's just quiet. Mm -hmm. And so he has to start taking in his surroundings and yeah. like that's new to him. He's never had to do this before. I think from my understanding of the Borg prior, whenever he would go to a location that maybe he physically has never been, mm -hmm. chances are some other part of the collective had been there, right. had experienced that. And so he would have that information being fed to him. Mm -hmm. It's like, this is what this is. This is where you are. And it wouldn't be foreign. Right. Whereas here, yeah, this, this is not just a new place or a new sensation or a new sound or lack of sound, but it, it, it's a new total experience. Mm -hmm. The other experience, can you imagine, is failure. Like think about it, when in his Borg life has he ever been able to not penetrate through a force field or not been able to find an access panel or not been able to like, like he is, he's doing what he needs to do. Sure. He's following his quote unquote programming and then it doesn't work and they've got him like that's tough and that's weird because yeah you i i've always kind of thought of them more machine than man right yeah and so the 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 way you talk about it like yeah his programming goes and goes and goes and if it were a computer it would just crash right but there's obviously more to him than that because he doesn't crash right he just kind of has to adjust and it's like okay my programming's not working so what do I do? And and even from that point right there, he, he, maybe he doesn't fully realize it, but he's starting to think for himself. Right. Because he has to for the first time in his life. He has to. And he is feeling an emotion that, that you know, Jonathan DeLarco, he played it beautifully. In fact, I think yeah. there there's something like from a convention or something where he said that he had a he, he lost a friend like young in life or maybe a brother or something. I don't remember exactly what it was, but he mm -hmm. he this this his memory of this friend is as a kid and never ever will be older. Mm -hmm. And he sort of based how he portrayed Hugh on his friend, like as a little bit of an honor to him as what, whatever, but it also fit the character of Hugh, you know? And, and so to sit there and just like, I've seen my kids like just sit there just out of options, just going, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't know who to go to. I don't know where to go. I don't know anybody here. I don't know what, to, you know? And it's, it's a heartbreaking scene. And he's just like, Oh, Oh my, I want to come back to though matt where you were talking about the whole idea of the voices in his head yeah. and being we're not there yet but i do want to come back and talk about that when we get to that part of the episode so we will. for now let's go on to something new 
It's fencing on the ship. Picard's letting off some steam against, wait for it, it's Guinan! Must be time for a classic Guinan talk, or is it? Guinan asks Picard about the guest that's on board. She doesn't understand. He says it was the humanitarian thing to do. He was injured. Dr. Crusher wanted to help him. Guinan says the rest of the Borg are going to come after them. Picard, of all people, knows that. Picard just dismisses it and begins round two. Things seem to be going okay at first until Guinan doubles over in pain with an injury. Picard comes in to check on her, and that's when she pops up and puts the foil directly into his chest. She says, you felt sorry for me, and look what it got you. Yeah. Not quite a normal Guinan talk. No, no. And like, I I, I, I made the comment, like, Guinan seemed out of character from the beginning. She hates like, the Borg. It, yeah. it's, it's the one, it's it, like the Borg and Q are like the two entities that send Guinan like off, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I, I had kind of forgotten. Or, wait, did, did we? That's right. Did we, that first did, episode. Did, did we know from that, from that episode that she had interaction with the Borg? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, I, like I, I'd kind of forgotten that. Mm-hmm. Uh, like when she mentions it again, it's like, okay, I remember. I got <laughs> Guinan's you. not always chill. <laughs> no. Oh no, there, yeah. there's a few things that'll set her off, but yeah, uh, but yeah, like she 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 starts to do her normal thing and like tries to give Picard advice, mm-hmm. like you said, kind of ignores it, and so like okay, Guinan being Guinan, it's like if you're not gonna take my my <laughs> if you're not gonna take the easy road, I'm going to make you understand, mm-hmm. but you might not like how I do it. She does it in a very Guinan way, you know. Uh, but hey, we're not done with her yet. We'll come back to her. Let's keep doing it, moving. Jordy is installing an access port in the detention cell so. That the Borg can eat. The Borg starts in with the usual mumbo jumbo. We are Borg. You will be assimilated. Resistance is futile. We, Jordy says, who's we? You and that mouse in your pocket? Anyway, what's your name? The Borg identifies himself as third of five. Jordy's like, whatever. Jordy finishes up and they're all watching each other as third of five hooks up to eat. You are not Borg, he says. Nope. And I hope to stay that way, Jordy replies. And it's back to the same old, same old. You will be assimilated. All it's all, huh? All the catchphrases. Yeah. And it's all Jordy can do but to shake his head and just walk out. So Jordy may have uh, shook his head at third of five. Uh-huh. Hey, at least we have but a name for him now, right? This kind of made me think I may have heard of something like this before. Oh, yeah? And had, had zero idea what it meant uh-huh. until now, maybe. I So correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. Or maybe you want to keep secrets. I don't okay. know. I think I've heard of a Star Trek character oh. called something like Seven of Nine. Something. Uh-huh. And I don't know who or what that is exactly. I uh-huh. didn't look it up because I just don't look stuff up like that. Okay. But as soon as he said third of five, uh-huh. my mind went there. And okay. I'm like, wait, are we talking about, like, do, do we get to meet more Borg later? I Because, like, th- that's a very odd naming convention. Like you said, uh-huh. it's a designation. Like, right. It, it, they it's make not a name, it's a designation, which is a name. Designation. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the only thing that makes me question it, mm-hmm. or question if I'm remembering things correctly even, is that it's a, you know, it's a third of five mm-hmm. and not what's in my head at least seventh of nine uh-huh my head is seven of nine and that could okay. just be for, for ease of speak i suppose sure but uh like still it, I, I can't imagine there there's another race out there that's like hey we're also gonna name our people with numbers mm-hmm. um you are correct to have some references i will neither okay. confirm nor deny what that particular character is or who that is or when we get to that particular character or what that name actually means or any i'm not going to do anything for you about that character but other than to say your 
Carter's suspicions serve you well. Mike. Okay, so I'm not too far off base. You're not too far off base, no. But this is cool. the first time that we get that sort of a designation uh, for oh, how I- the Borg work, because what we see in this... Like I said, we've seen all the Borg episodes. We have, but what we see, and this is where they're changing how we see the Borg, sure. right? Like they're intentionally changing how we see the Borg so that they mm-hmm. can do more stuff with them, quite honestly, because yeah. it's a cool villain. It's a cool bad guy, but you can't just have this unstoppable force that's a single collective consciousness with no face. Exactly. That, 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 that's, that's what I was getting at at the beginning. It's yeah. like they, they created this super evil that has no weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And if they want to keep the Borg around, they realize, okay we have to change something and right. that's what this episode is. exactly exactly and they're they're humanizing them or or not humanizing they're individualizing so um yes. yeah just i'm gonna tell you just file that back in in the back of your mind i'll be waiting it, it'll I have, it'll like I, said, I, I have no idea when sure. that comes up because sure. it's just a, a one of the few terms mm-hmm. and i think it's stuck with me because like it sounds weird like sure. it's not it, it's it's not conventional right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so i still have no context for it which means I not only know I, I know nothing about this character and like I said don't even know what series for all I know it could be in like season seven mm-hmm. it's possible I'm well, I'm not gonna tell, I'm not telling you anything more about this Matt <laughs> it's a part episode you didn't tell me about do what is this a two-part episode and we get to meet this seven of nine next next week I don't know I'm not I will I will neither confirm nor deny whether or not you ever see Hugh again I was gonna ask you that when you brought him up in the character spotlight if yeah. we ever got to see. he Hugh is a is a character that has become i I will go back to what i said he has become such a cult icon Mm -hmm. other cult icons in star trek history the gorn yeah baylock you oh no he was he called i don't know he was in multiple episodes i know he was in multiple episodes so i'll i'll leave it to you to figure that out we will you will find out all things in in good time matt you will find out all things in good time however what i do think this third of five begins to discuss we begin to discover and we really begin to see it here is is even within the collection for as much as they're a collective consciousness and they all talk to each other, they still have to be able to identify individuals within it to know who they're talking about and like who's within their sub collective and a collective of collectives. Yes and no. I kind of wonder because like okay. that naming structure kind of made, made me start to wonder. It's like they said, oh yeah, there were four others. So he's third of five. That worked for that little party. Mm-hmm. When he goes back to the collective and mm-hmm. is on the ship, does he become 24th of 1 million? That's a or- good, yeah. That's a or good question. Are they always broken up like that? You know, you are third of five, and there's no other group of five. Mm-hmm. Like there, there may be a third of six and third or of seven. Yeah, but there's no other third of five. Like, yeah. but that that would once again make them seem like individuals. Mm-hmm. But then, oh, is, is there another third of five? <laughs> like, I yeah yeah. It's 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 an interesting convention with with how they do that. So we'll talk about all that more in detail as Star Trek continues on outside of this particular episode. But for now, let's continue with this particular episode. Act three, Jordy and Beverly are setting up a lab in what looks to be Law's alcove, if you remember her, to be able to work on the Borg so that they can turn him into, well, a bomb. Jordy has been conditioning the Borg to get his cooperation, and while Beverly gets it, she still doesn't like it. They transport third of five in. Jordy makes the introductions, and Beverly explains that she's a doctor who saved his life. He won't be reabsorbed and replaced today. But Beverly 
Beverly does want to run some tests and she asks him some questions. You will be assimilated. But yeah, I'll answer some questions. But first, the Borg wants to know more about their designations. Beverly tells them that they don't have designations, they have names. I'm Beverly, that's Jordy. Hey, the name sounds pretty cool. Jordy makes a play on the word you to name the Borg Hugh. And we just had a bonding moment. Yeah, that's a bad. <laughs> don't name the lab rats. Yep. <laughs> don't name them. Don't give it a name. Dang it. Whereas my wife names everything. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Again, when an when an enemy goes from an it to a him or a her or a whatever, when it goes from this nameless thing to a it's something that is personal. Mm-hmm. Things change. Things change. Uh, fortunately for Beverly, she's kind of always seen him as such. So, yeah. Sometime later, with Hugh away from the restraints, Beverly and Jordy are finishing up their test. He's nailed every question so far, for which Jordy wants a closer look at that new fandangled eyepiece that he's wearing. Hugh tells them that they can only have, or Hugh tells them that they can have one when they're assimilated, which sounds really cool. But Beverly says that they don't want to be assimilated. Hugh doesn't get it. It's quiet here. In the collective, you have the thoughts of all the others with them always hmm, like i say maybe they aren't really one collective consciousness at all beverly takes that to mean that he's lonely and then ask hugh asks the million dollar question when the tests are complete what will you do with us jordy says that they're going to send him home dang doesn't sound so cool now it's just a really good thing that hugh is not good at reading facial expressions or body posture right <laughs> because jordy and beverly like yeah when he asks this it's like send you <gasps> home yeah don't name it yeah (laughs) but yeah like that's one of those situations i feel like even data would have picked up on something Mm -hmm. right like they're giving each other sideways glances it's like what what do we say how much do we say should we should we tell him the truth Mm -hmm. what's going on here and so it's yeah he's just so oblivious yeah right that's that's a good word he he is just oblivious um i I, this idea of all the thoughts and the lonely i said i wanted to circle back around to this and here it is again i go back to the idea that they're one collective consciousness and i get it that all their ideas and their thoughts sort of stream into each other and they all hear from each other like all the time which Mm -hmm. to you and me might sound maddening it sounds crazy but to somebody who's been within the collective like that's the normal and that's comforting and that is everybody's together and you get the idea like he likes the collective yep he misses it He's, I think Jordy's uses the word homesick later, right? It's all he knows. Right. That, that's kind of what we were saying before. It's like, this is the first time he's been away from it. Or I, I mean, when I thought I just had, uh-huh. they, they were off on this little like scout ship with the five of them. Yeah. They could at least hear the, the other four of them on that ship, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Were they still connected to the collective as a whole? Um, were there voices when they're on that, that other ship? Yeah, they would have been because they, it would have been this like subspace thing and like if you remember back in best of both worlds like i think they had to deactivate that so that they couldn't hear picard when he was still locutus there there was something with that but yeah i mean like it's it's they're constantly with each other but here's the thing in order to be constantly with each other you all still have to be individuals now they might share the consciousness but it's not one consciousness despite what other people are saying and and again i go back to you know they're they're rewriting how this works that the borg really are a collective of individual things things I, I i hesitate to say people but they're a collective of individual things that you know when they say you will be assimilated like hugh talks about that like hey when you get to be when you get assimilated you're gonna get one of these eyepieces that's cool right uh, like yes. i can't wait for you to do this because this is just so much better and this is awesome and 
it's fantastic how how dryly he can say that, but we can still like hear that excitement. Yeah, that he's trying to portray whether he knows or not. Uh huh. But it, as far as the collective, I like I I think I think it is still possible to basically they they do share one. Uh, what was the word you were using? Consciousness. Yeah, one consciousness. Yeah. All these drones though are just different sources of inputs. See, I think they want you to think that. I think they want you to think that, but like, it's not just, hey, here's all this input and it's all feeding into like one central brain and then it's telling people what to do. Like, it's almost like each one of those is a brain feeding it back. I mean, it's a network. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, isn't it? I I only half understand this, but isn't that kind of how like Bitcoin works? Are you familiar with that at all? I am not. My wife keeps wanting me to get into it and I just... (laughs) That is just, it is beyond the, the, it's money. That's not money. No, I, I know. I, I think someone can correct me, but I, I think the general idea of what I understand is like it's it's this whole network of of computers, and they're they're all you know interconnected, but in different locations and such. Mm-hmm. And so the the whole point of it being like, yeah, you can take one of the computers away, but the network doesn't fail. Mm-hmm. And so you have all these different points of input, and yeah, you take one of those Borgs away, network's not going to fail. All the information is still there. But putting that Borg back in gives it, you know, more computing power. It does make it more powerful. And it's it's another source that can help collect more information, help assimilate more people, help, you know, make the Borg collective more powerful. I, I think all of that is true. And I still am going to go back to what I say, that it's it's not one collective consciousness. It is a collective consciousness of a bunch of individuals. And I don't know. I don't. Is, is that really much of a difference? Maybe not. I don't know. But if I. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that might be, that might be uh, splitting hairs, but still it's my hair to split. All right. All right. Let's move on. In 10 forward, Jordy is talking to Guinan. He's really struggling on this one, but Guinan can't believe that they actually named the Borg. You named the Borg. I'm glad she scolded him. Yeah. Jordy says, look, he's just a kid. Guinan doesn't care when that kid's big brothers come looking. They won't stop until they've destroyed all of us. Jordy invited Guinan to go talk to them, to go talk to him if he, she is so sure. Guinan says she wouldn't have anything to say. All right, then, Jordy says. Maybe you should just go listen. For all, that's what you do best, isn't it? Jordy walks out. Dang. Yeah, I mean, Guinan went super aggro here, but I, I've also never seen anyone talk back to Guinan like Jordy does either. Right, right. So it's it's an interesting scene here. Just I mean, like th- This Borg is putting everybody out of character. It's what they do. It is what they do. All right. Uh, hey, quick scene on the bridge before we finish up the act. Just here to confirm that a Borg ship is indeed on its way. It'll be there in about 31 hours. So we've got some time, but it's coming. So once again, my big question, Uh and maybe they're just rewriting things, but like if the Enterprise can track and know how far away the Borg ship is, Mm -hmm. why can't I just click? Maybe it's because they're not looking for it. Um, Because my big thing is like if they can track where where the Borg are, why on earth the Borg with the superior technology, can't they find out where the enterprise is i that doesn't make sense to me but if they're just trying to track these homing beacons Mm -hmm. and they're from their last known location or whatever yeah they're not really i mean they're blocking the beacon coming out off the enterprise Mm -hmm. and or aren't looking for the enterprise in particular right so 
they're not going fine. Fine. I talked myself out of that one. All right, let's move on. Act four, Guinan has taken Jordy up on his proposal. She does go to see. She looks at him with disgust and contempt. She tells him resistance is not futile. Her people resisted and they survived. They may be few and they may be scattered, but they still survive. And somehow Hugh understands what she's saying is she is lonely. He is also lonely. And Hugh totally gets Guinan. This is a huge turning point in the episode. Yeah. And if anybody else had been in that room, maybe not anybody, but anybody else has been in this episode. So like Jordy or Dr. Crusher were down mm-hmm. in that with Guinan. And because Guinan takes this as like such a big revelation. It's like, whoa, he understands loneliness. Where'd that come from? Mm-hmm. And like, it came from a scene or two ago where uh, Dr. Crusher implanted in him, it, like taught him what, or maybe you're just, I, I don't remember. Mm-hmm. But one of them taught him what loneliness was and said, hey, yeah, you're lonely. And so, yeah, maybe he he carried that over and applied it to the situation. But it, in my mind, he was still just kind of mimicking what someone else just told him. Right, and but he's, he's able to take it and apply it, meaning he's he's capable of learning. Like, I guess he- On his it. own, without the collective, without being told what to do, yeah. he is capable of doing it on his own as an individual. It, it, it just bothered me because it, it wouldn't have the same impact it does. I, I I don't think if like Jordy had been in the room with Guinan said, yeah, we just taught him that. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, it's, it, it's still something. Yeah, that you know he, he he learned it and retained it and and reapplied it, mm-hmm. but it just feels like it's such it's so much more powerful when Guinan realizes what's going on because she wasn't aware of you know an hour earlier when he was taught about loneliness. Mm-hmm. She she thinks he's pulling this out of the blue. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Maybe this whole thing could have been avoided if uh, you know Jordy and Beverly would have shared their their notes. I guess. Yeah. Well, let's keep going. Later, Jordy is running some sort of scanning device over Hugh's arm. Hugh wants to know why. And to learn more about you. Why? Because you're different. Why? 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 Jordy begins to tell Hugh about all the glories of individuality. The ability to use the word I. Sure, Jordy says sometimes it does get lonely. But that's why we have friends. To make us feel better. Well, Hugh understands that as well. Like Jordy and Hugh. Ohana means family. Family means no one gets that. <laughs> Pretty sure that's, I, that's verbatim from the episode. Right. Uh, I mean, I, I was sitting here watching this scene and like, did, did they pull this out of like reading Rainbow? They might have. <laughs> Were they talking about friends in a book this week? Uh, like it, like that, that, that's the feeling I got. I mean, obviously yeah. there's a connect there, but. Um, did we yeah, just become it, best friends? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's pretty much what it is. And think yeah. about this, Jordy. Okay. You, you don't know this about Jordy. Jordy makes friends with Data, who's an Android, mm-hmm. who's like his best friend. He yeah. makes friends with people in in the holodeck that they become like he gets romantically involved with somebody in a holodeck uh his his other good friend is a borg drone <laughs> that he rescued jordy buddy buddy buddy, yep. buddy anyway in the conference room jordy and data are showing picard the plan that they finally come up with it's a paradoxical shape and when the borg see it they're going to try to make sense out of it but of course they won't be able to because it's a paradox and it's going to spread through the entire collective and in effect everyone's just going to shut down picard approves and orders them to begin but jordy stays behind to have a conversation with his captain he's having second thoughts about this this borg has thoughts and feelings it doesn't seem right to use him in this way picard suggests jordy try unattaching himself from the borg jordy really doesn't like this order yeah it's why you don't name things 
which is what Picard uh, says. Like, listen, don't name, don't name the board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, build the detention cell, put up the dampening field. Don't name the board. I, I have to appreciate though that even though this is how Jordy feels, mm-hmm. he still did his job and came up with a plan to destroy them. Yeah, because like it wasn't until after he proposed this plan, it's like, hey, solve the problem. We're gonna destroy them. But by the way, I don't want to do it. Anymore. So mm-hmm. yeah, you, you just got me thinking though, t- t- telling me about all of Jordy's friends. Oh yeah, he. It's because he spends all his time down in engineering with machines. So he makes friends with all the machines. There you go. It's a, that's as good a theory as any, pal. <laughs> that's it. The android, yeah. the perg, and the holodeck. Yeah. He made friends with machines. That's yeah, yeah. That's that's as good as any. And he had he had trouble with Barclay, you know, who kind of was one of his own. So yeah. makes perfect sense to me. It really does. Uh, you know, it, it occurs to me, Matt. We I don't think we've had one Jordy Central episode in our run through next generation. I can't think of one. I don't think we have. And that that is not by design. I I think it's just turned out that way. There there have been a few times where, you know, I make a comment about something Jordy did. Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah, we haven't really seen this before. But Jordy does. And Jordy's very awkward here. Or Jordy does this. Yeah seen those episodes yeah. where they focus on or, I think we have one or have enough of those episodes where you know he he showcases this trait mm-hmm. yeah all right well that evening Guinan comes to see Picard in his quarters she pretty much gets right down to it she wants to talk about the board which by the way I love that she's like so I tried your move fencing I want to talk about the board I, I love how she does that she tells Picard about his name and about her experience she isn't here to talk Picard out of it though she's asking him to talk her into it Is he sure this is the right thing to do? Can he really do this after talking to him? What's that? Picard hasn't gone to talk to him. Here's the guy in y'all. Here's the guy in talk that we've been waiting on, Matt. If you're going to use this person, he's not a person, damn it. He's a bog. If you're going to use this person, you should at least go look him in the eye because I'm not so sure he is still a bog. And if you don't talk to him at least once, you may find it hard to live with your decision. Who loves guy in? Raise your hand. Yeah, yeah, right here, right here. Yeah. It's, I, yeah. Like Guinan knows how to talk to people, knows mm-hmm. how to, what they need to hear, how they need to hear it. And yeah, it, th- th- this is another one of those situations where right. if anybody else talked to Picard like that, if anybody else gave him this advice, he's not listening to him. Right, right. Something in relationship with Picard and Guinan. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I get you. I hear you. I'll take care of you. I, you know what I, you know what I really appreciate about that, Matt, is this episode, specifically just from a production standpoint, and from a writing standpoint, there's not a wasted scene. There's no pillar filler. There's not a wasted character. They don't just insert a character and give them lines to give them lines. Like everybody is well thought out, well placed. And as you just pointed out, like in this particular conversation, nobody else could have had this conversation with Picard except for Guinan. It had to be Guinan. This might be the most Guinan we've ever had in an episode or the most Guinan we've had in an episode in a very long time. Well, yeah, yeah. You usually when her name's in the credits, there's one scene down in 10 forward. Mm -hmm. She has a talk one and we're out mm-hmm. i think this is the third like, scene we've had with her fourth scene fourth yeah something like that yeah well picard hears guinan because everyone hears guinan and he has hugh beamed into the ready room hugh instantly recognizes picard as locutus picard picks up the ruse and presses the issue hugh identifies himself as hugh hugh tells locutus that they do not wish to be assimilated resistance is not futile but locutus presses further it's all irrelevant 
all will be assimilated. And Hugh says, what about Jordy? Jordy must not die. Jordy is a friend. Locutus orders Hugh to assist. You are Borg. You will assist. And Hugh responds, no, I am Hugh. And Picard is taken aback. Yeah, another huge conversation here. Mm -hmm. But at first, I, I, I worried a little bit that they were taking this down a really weird path that Picard was still actually Locutus and he was infiltrating the Enterprise. <laughs> okay. Like, that would be interesting. Alternate timeline here. Someone right. write those episodes. But uh, yeah, I, I, like I just love how, like I, I did end up watching this episode twice. Mm-hmm. And the second time through in particular, you could see where Picard realizes what's going on and he flips the switch uh-huh. and like turns on Locutus essentially. It's like he knows exactly what to say. He, he still has those Borg phrases in, in him. He still knows their mantra. Mm-hmm. He still knows what buttons to press and what the collective should be thinking. He still has, I mean, he still has all his memories of being a Borg. He knows how to operate in that world, right? Okay. But before we go go too much further, yeah. I do want to question this. Okay. And this may just be, oh, we already wrote it this way, so we can't unwrite it. He uh, he appears in the room and he's like, hey, Locutus. Uh-huh. He has a name. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yep. How come you didn't understand the concept of names <laughs> earlier in this episode? Right. One of your own has a name. Has a name. Right. But if you remember, though, Picard was sought after on purpose to to facilitate his introduction or to facilitate the assimilation of the human species or the alpha quadrant species or whatever it is to facilitate that because they were very, very resistant. Yeah. And that's the only reason they brought him in. Now, in a production world, they did that because they were trying to give the Borg a single face to be the enemy. It just yeah. didn't stick because they had to undo it by the end of part two, which I yep. still say, can you imagine if he would have stayed as Locutus for a season or two before they got him back? Like, that's what we would do today. But either yep. way, I'm not going to rewrite Next Generation. Um, But you're, I mean, you're absolutely right. There is this taste of, I, I can't say it's individuality because there's nowhere that they give us the sense that Picard was allowed to experience individuality. Mm-hmm. Like, as far as we know, he was, he, he was like his subconscious was just pushed to the back of his head while this other thing was controlling him. Right. Like that's, that's the most that we know. Whereas with this, we're seeing Hugh really in full faculties of who he is. He's not a drone anymore. You know, uh, however, he came into the collective, whether he was born into the collective, which we've seen that before, or whether he was assimilated into the collective, however he got there. Um, you definitely get the idea. He, he was assimilated young though. Right. Um, yeah. but he says, and I, I think the idea is this is supposed to be the first time. Actually, I know for a fact, this is the first time that Hugh is supposed to have stopped using the we pronoun and said, I am Hugh. Yeah. Right. Except that's not the case. Except that's not the case. Way back when they were doing the, the naming scene, uh, Hugh said, um, he, he like he said, do I have a name? Oh, and the the writer, uh, his name's Rene Etcheverria. He caught that while they were in the middle of production on this episode, and he <laughs> ran it up to Jerry Taylor, the producer at the time. Remember her, uh, Jerry Taylor, and they went to like go figure out what like to change it, but they'd already filmed that scene and moved on, so they couldn't go back and redo it. And they didn't, that, that, figure, that, so they're like, just let it ride, just let it be. They always get out like TV and movie production. It's like, yeah. nope, we all we've already shot that. Can't do it again. Can't do it again. Just did 12 takes you can't do one more <laughs> they've torn it. down the set already um it. i was gonna say that's when you you edit it and you you adr it and you just do a cut to something else while he's saying that word like mm-hmm. but no they just left it so it's kind of like you remember a bunch of episodes ago 
having it. Say that one more time. What? It, it would be weird to cut away from him when he's asking the, the pivotal question, do I have a name? Sure. But, you know, anyway. Uh, and that's probably why they didn't. But do you remember like a bunch of episodes ago where Data like uses a whole bunch of contractions? Yeah. And we just, you know, nobody picked up on it. <laughs> so anyway. um, All right. Act five. Picard has come to his senses. He can't go forward with the plan. And if he did, he'd be no better than the enemy that he seeks to destroy. There's a conversation about what to do now. It seems that no matter what they do, Hugh is going to have his memory purged by the Borg, or they can do it for him. But Picard surmises that before that happens, let him keep his, his memories now. Hugh's experience as an individual may spread throughout the collective, and that brief moment may alter the Borg forever. What if he doesn't want to go back? Well, let's go ask him. Picard and Jordy lay out Hugh's choice to go back or stay with them. Hugh knows that if he stays, he's going to put the entire ship in danger, including his friend Jordy. Of course, he would prefer to stay with Jordy, but he recognizes the danger is too much, and so he chooses to go back. So that might be the like closest to you know tearjerker scene I've seen in Star Trek so far. Okay, with, all right. Did, did with, tears actually come, Matt? Dang. But it, 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 it's discussion for another time. But there, there's really only like one type of scene that actually can bring tears to my eyes. <laughs> and it's probably not what you expect. Uh, Why? Well, I, 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 I honestly think I'm kind of in the minority. But like I said, topic for another time. Um, Hugh here though, like just I, I feel like he, 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 he's pulling at your heartstrings. He's, he's trying right. to make feel because he is feeling like for the first time, and it's, it's, I guess not what I expected at the beginning of the episode. Mm-hmm. Like I, I didn't expect it to come to like to see such a change in Hugh. Right. And and the best episodes are ones where you don't expect what's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. So I, but I, I do have to say I really like the thought of infecting the Borg with the idea of individuality. Yeah. Like that's the best plan. And I like, I kind of took that as, okay, that's going to work. Like that's going to happen. But that, that, that is their solution. That is how we can move forward with the Borg. Right. It's like that, that, like that we're not going to destroy them completely. Cause I mean, three episodes of Borg, come on, we want more of it. Right. But this is how we're going to be able to move forward is we did kind of uh, disassemble them a little bit. Yeah. I think, I think the the better word is they deconstructed. There you go. They deconstructed the Borg, and that's exactly what they did in this episode. Hey, let's finish this out real quick, and then and then we can talk a little bit more. The Borg arrive in just about an hour. They're going to beam down and then sort of just hide out. Jordy asks to go with Hugh. There's no danger to Jordy down there. He's going to be ignored. The Borg assimilate civilizations, not individuals. So as he beams down, Hugh says he doesn't want to forget who he is. Down on the planet, Hugh goes back into the position that he was found in. The other Borg beam in. Completely ignored Jordy, reclaim Hugh, reabsorb the dead, and just as they beam out with Hugh, Hugh gives Jordy a direct look. The end. Yeah, like they, they they kind of like do something to him, kind of like hook him back up to the collective or whatever. You kind of wonder, like, oh, is this memory gone? They they, they fix that, then mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Instead of just being a drone like the rest of them, he looks over, and that's a he, lot you know, more than a brief moment. Yeah. So that's the episode, Matt. It is. Um, just just a couple of notes on here that I didn't get to. Uh, sure. the, the casting and direction of Hugh was styled after, I don't know if you've ever seen this movie, Edward Scissorhands. I have. Yeah. Not jo- many it's a Johnny years. Depp movie. Yep. Um, yep. The, and, and when I say that all of a sudden you can see it, like it kind of even looks a little John, uh, Edward Scissorhands. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, he, he was very pale as well. Right, I mean, and, he, and he acted very strangely. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. Uh, also, say that again, what now? Mannerisms are there. Yeah, exactly. Also, for filming, the director and Del Arco would use a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being all the way Borg and 10 being all the way human. And the director would just be like, hey, you're at a 6 right now, but I need you at an 8. And Del Arco would like just be able to adjust his performance accordingly. Fantastic. Yeah, I thought that was cool. Um, As far as just general reception, uh, they did get a little pushback from the fans back in the day of just saying, you've completely changed the Borg and what they can do and what they can mean. And they're like, yeah, that was the point. But pretty much universal. Any more Borg, we need to change that. Exactly. Uh, Pretty much, though, universally, this episode was very much uh, liked by the people in the production. Um, Michael Pillar himself says that this was his personal favorite episode from season five. So, okay. I know you like your pillar stuff. So there it is. An episode with no pillow filler at all. (laughs) There was no, well, Matt, uh, that's going to do it for this particular episode. So I put it to you. I put the question to you and actually I, mm, I'm going to, I'm going to ask that question next week, but I'll put the question to you. Did you like this episode? Would you want to watch it again? Yes. And yes. Fan freaking tastic. Matt, you're going to become a Trekkie before I'm done with you, brother. I'm going to get you there. I'm going to get you there. All right. Would you like to know what our next episode is? Yes, sir. We are going to skip one episode. The episode in between though, Matt, I'm going to give you as an extra viewing. That episode is called the next phase. It's a fun episode. It's one of those episodes, Matt, that I say every sci-fi show has to do at least one of, and it's the one where it's a Rolaren episode. Uh, and it's, it's a Jordy centric episode. Actually it's Jordy and Rolaren get knocked out of phase with everything else. So like they can walk through walls, but they don't fall through the floor. Um, don't everybody thinks they're dead. It's just one of those episodes. It's fun. Uh, so yeah. good extra viewing, but the next episode is going to be the one directly after that called the inner light. Now, Matt, I would love to go ahead and discuss this episode with you, but I don't want to sway you one way or the other. So I'm going to zip my lip and I'm not going to say a thing about it. I want to get your honest and raw reactions to this episode when we record next week. So, um, the inner light, and we will discuss that episode later, uh, for good or bad. I don't know, but it's an episode you absolutely have to see for everything having to do with Star Trek. Uh, anyway, so you have that. All right, Matt, uh, let's say I did that. I gave you extra viewing. I guess that's going to do it for us, Matt, for this week here at Beam Me Up, a Star Trek podcast. Hey, for you guys out there, what did you think of today's episode? It's, is it a seminal episode? Is that fair? It might be, Matt. The seminal episode, I Borg, where they change everything about the Borg. What future episodes do you want to see us covered? Write in and let us know. Beamyuppod at gmail.com or find more ways at beamyuppod.com. Matt, where can the folks find you out there on the internet? best place to find me is over on twitter at as a matter of math and if you guys want to get in touch with me you can find me at brent allen live across all the social medias i'd love to connect with you there as well too until next time folks live long and prosper